I'm Alex Mosad, and welcome to Winner Take All, where we talk about the constant battle between large tech monopolies and traditional incumbents. So, first little quickie topic: we had uh, Peter Saddington, you know, uh, entrepreneur, longtime crypto, um, I guess, investor, trader, whatever. He's made a lot of money on crypto. Um, we had him on the show. I was just looking it up. Uh, mid-February, actually, February like 18th. And one of his altcoins, which he recommended and we clipped uh, for all of you, um, was this thing called Icon, ICX. And if you look at this chart here, Feb 18, 16, it was somewhere right around there. You know, it's like a buck 70. Um, it now popped to... 315 in the past like six weeks. Now it's down to, I think, maybe 275. But uh, nonetheless, you know, um, more ways that winner take all is helping all of you with some hopefully fruitful little tips or, or uh, you know, ways to figure out this new crazy economy. Um, and uh, we're going to touch on NFTs in a little bit here and try to figure out what the hell these things are. Next topic is that Beijing is the true winner take all. What does that mean? Common thing we talk about on the show is that um, you know all all Chinese tech monopolies are essentially servants of the CCP. All the data, um, all their AI, all their IP is essentially beholden by the Chinese Communist Party. Um, even though Larry Summers doesn't see any connection uh, between the CCP and, you know, Chinese tech monopolies. Um, so I guess everything's okay. But uh, anyway, going back to reality, Beijing was not so happy with Jack Ma's speech a few months ago, I think maybe it was back in like October now. And he basically gave a speech that said, hey, I think that the regulators uh, are slowing innovation and, um, you know, we could be doing more, faster, better, whatever, uh, with less regulation. Um, something to that effect. By Western standards, it was a very polite, um, very polite critique. It was a critique, but still very subtle and very polite critique to say, hey, regulation is slowing down innovation in the financial services sector. And boy, did that not go over well. You saw the, um, it was imminent at that time, the imminent IPO for Ant Financial get pulled um, you have now seen, you saw, I mean, you saw Jack Ma disappear for like two months. One of the richest guys in Asia, just gone. You have no idea where he is. And um, Beijing has not stopped there. And that is why they are the true, they are the monopoly of all monopolies, right? They are the true power source, the CCP, President Xi. Um, they are the true puppet masters behind everything that is going on in China. Um, and, you know, shadow markets, related territories, et cetera. You see them flex their muscle in this recent Wall Street Journal article 
Beijing asks Alibaba to shed its media assets. So now they're going after Alibaba. They're criticizing Alibaba of taking advantage of you know citizens and and the and the, and the common folk in China. Um, they're now forcing them to you know they're trying to kind of uh, restrict Alibaba's voice and take away its media influence. Uh, you see them going after this in another article. Past couple of weeks here, Tencent CEO um, and founder Pony Ma meets with the Chinese antitrust officials as scrutiny widens. Pony Ma, in advance of this meeting, came out and said, hey, we need to be regulated more. You know, we need to have less power. We being the, the tech monopolies and Tencent, Tencent, BAT. These are the three big tech monopolies in China. There are others now, but Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent were the original three. Now you've got DD and ByteDance, and we're going to touch on ByteDance uh, in a second here. Speaking to reporters, Pony Ma, not Jack Ma, said the company was working actively with regulators on compliance, uh, including, th- including combing through some of its previous investments. Um, big media capabilities of Tencent. We Tencent conduct meetings with regulators on a regular basis. The regulators literally have offices inside of every one of these tech monopolies, uh, you know, headquarters and regional offices. I mean, Regulators are are literally there in the office on a day-to-day basis, making sure that the regulation, the content regulation, the data, right, all complies, checks out with what uh, the CCP wants people to think. Some parallels to what's going on in the United States and elsewhere through big tech, but um, but but let a little bit less of a tie between you know government and big tech, but still there is a tie. Um, even in you know Western markets, not as egregious as what's going on in China, but still you're seeing this general trend of commoners and sheep, that is everyday citizens, um, being told what to think by their overlords, that is the government, the true monopoly, the monopoly of all monopolies, um, and then their um, basically uh, you know servants, that is the tech monopolies. And you're seeing that play out to a T in China, and you're seeing that play out to somewhat of a similar, but a little bit lesser degree um, elsewhere. But we're absolutely under a siege of freedom of thought, of independent thinking, um, of freedom of speech. And it's a really terrible um, sight for all. Another article here, which I thought was really interesting, this individual, I helped build ByteDance's censorship machine. I wasn't proud of it, and neither were my coworkers. But that's life in today's China. We just covered Kevin Mayer, the former CEO of TikTok and COO of ByteDance, had a kind of a pathetic exit interview with CNBC, where you know he's the victim, of course, um, and you know has done nothing wrong, has made no mistakes. Uh, I believe he said he had no regrets. That was how he ended the interview. But, you know, no, no critique of getting into ByteDance and seeing what was going on in ByteDance and saying, oh, you know, actually, there are some legitimate security concerns here, right? And like, that's why he wanted to leave ByteDance. No, none of that narrative out of Kevin, right? ByteDance, TikTok, everything was fine. Everything was rosy. I don't know why anyone would 
have any national security concerns. I mean, it's not like CNBC really asked Kevin about it or pushed him on that. But still, you know, if Kevin wanted a good reason to say why he exited TikTok and ByteDance without making him look like a weak victim, it would be, yeah, I got in there and this was not okay and not up to my moral standards. Um, you know, be nice to see some um, executives have some values and morals these days. Anyway, no, no mention of that. And so now here is a first person account of someone on the team. Really great read. I'm going to go through this, you know, a few good pieces of this here. We've talked about how regulation uh, by the CCP, by the Chinese government, worked exactly counter to the whole premise of platforms, right? To connect information to enable value to be exchanged. And what the CCP did was because of their heavy regulation, they anyone that was talking about COVID um, when it originated in China, obviously, back, you know, late 2019, they were monitoring this on social media and they were clamping down on it. And not only were they taking the messages off, they were sending police to your home or your or your or your relatives' homes to make sure that you stayed quiet. And so she talks about this exact thing. It was the night Dr. Li Wan Liang uh, struggled for his last breath in the emergency room of Wuhan Central Hospital. I, like many Chinese web users, had stayed awake to refresh my Weibo feed constantly for updates on his condition. Dr. Li was an ophthalmologist who sounded the alarm early in the COVID-19 outbreak. He soon faced government intimidation and then contracted the virus. When he passed away in the early hours of Friday, February 7th, 2020, I was among many Chinese netizens, the rebels who have some semblance of uh, you know, independent thinking, who expressed grief and outrage at the events on Weibo, only to have my account deleted. This woman put these protocols into place, right? So, but she's a, she truly is a victim. You know, what can she do? I felt guilt more than anger at the time. I was a tech worker at the time. I was a tech worker at ByteDance, where I helped develop tools and platforms for content moderation. In other words, I had helped build the system that censored accounts just like mine. I was helping to bury myself in China's ever-expanding cyber grave. Anyone read 1984? Oh, this is 1984 in 2021 and 2020. Ay ay ay! I hadn't received explicit directives about Li Wanliang. But Weibo was certainly not the only Chinese tech company uh, relentlessly deleting posts and accounts that night. I knew ByteDance's army of content moderators were using the tools and algorithms that I helped to I helped develop to delete content, change the narrative, and alter memories of the suffering and trauma inflicted on Chinese people during the COVID nineteen outbreak. I couldn't help but feel every day like I was a tiny cog in a vast evil machine. ByteDance is one of China's largest unicorns and creator. Talk about what TikTok does. Now, here's the interesting part about TikTok. Last year, when ByteDance was at the center of U.S. controversy over data sharing with Beijing, it cut its domestic engineers' access to products overseas, including TikTok. TikTok has plans to launch two physical transparency centers in L.A. and D.C. to showcase content moderation practices. But in China, content moderation is mostly kept in the shadows. You know, what this touches on here is the the deep pipes between TikTok and uh, ByteDance based in China. 
And we've spoken about this, you know, as it relates to both ByteDance, TikTok, and Zoom, that you have all the product and engineering based in China, but then you have kind of the, the sales and marketing based in the United States. And how can you ever truly separate the two? So uh, she's saying here, ByteDance cut its domestic engineers' access to products overseas. That means that they, they throttled these engineers' access. But it doesn't mean that the data isn't still flowing back and forth on those pipes, right? It doesn't mean that they throttled access to the CCP, right? All it's saying is that her access was throttled, right? Not altogether. And by the way, um, what she talks about further is the AI that helps to inform the recommendation algorithm is all run out of China. So you can't truly decouple TikTok from ByteDance in China. It just, you will, you'll actually, um, you know, prevent the product from operating successfully or properly, right? That's just how the system is designed. And it comes through um, in this, uh, you know, in this dialogue or this article that she's written here. ByteDance employed about 20,000 content moderators to monitor content in China. Um, they worked in these different cities. Some were employees, some were contractors. My job was to use technology to make the low-level content moderators work more efficient. For example, we created a tool that allowed them to throw a video clip into our database and search for similar content. When I was at ByteDance, we received multiple requests from the bases. These are the content moderation bases to develop an algorithm that could automatically detect when a, um, when a user spoke Uyghur. Uyghur is the group of Chinese Muslims who have been put into, you know, re-education camps literally out of 1984 here. So they wanted to monitor if someone's speaking in Uyghur, then they can automatically cut off the live stream session uh, in the app. The moderators has asked for this because they didn't understand the language. Streamers speaking ethnic languages and dialects that Mandarin speakers don't understand would receive a warning. And if they didn't comply, moderators would respond by manually cutting it off. But when it comes to Uyghur, with an algorithm that did this automatically, the moderators wouldn't have to be responsible for missing content that authorities could deem to have instigated separatism or terrorism. We eventually decided not to do it. We didn't have enough Uyghur language data points. So you can see just the level of sophistication, um, the amount of resources being poured into uh, this content moderation, the fear that the content moderators have if they, God forbid, miss a Uyghur live stream for, I don't know, you know, we're talking minutes here, not hours, right? They wanted this to happen automatically um, rather than them having to manually pick it up, even though it's flagged, but then they have to manually cut off, right? They wanted to have it be done automatically. I mean, just the the level of sophistication, I mean, this is such difficult think about the the computing power and the tools time spent to develop these programs both in a, in a, in code and um with humans to do this i mean it is i mean it's impressive and scary at the same time what chinese user generated content platforms most fear is failing to delete politically sensitive content that later puts the company under heavy government scrutiny like what we're seeing with um, Alibaba, you know, having to shed these media properties. We've talked before about how the Chinese government, um, 
you know, you've seen stock prices of Chinese tech monopolies crater when the Chinese government puts uh, more restrictions uh, or scrutiny on the media properties and how well they're doing content moderation. It's a life and death matter. Yikes. Occasionally, ByteDance's content moderation system would go down for a few minutes. It was nerve wracking because we didn't know what kind of political disaster could occur in that window. As a young unicorn, ByteDance does not have strong government relationships like other tech giants do. So it's walking a tightrope every second. I mean, it's just like out of a, a, a novel. The team I was a part of, content moderation policymakers, plus the army of about 20,000 content moderators, have helped shield ByteDance from major political repercussions and achieve commercial success. Not many tech companies in China have so many resources dedicated to moderating content. Other user-generated content platforms in China have nothing on ByteDance in terms of their level of content moderation sophistication. So this is the company that Kevin Mayer went into, and not one iota of concern when he looks at the level of content. You know, he's a smart guy. He's the COO of ByteDance Global. He gets in there. None of this smells funny to him. I mean, this is really just, you know, disheartening. It really is emotional to read. A dim light of idealism still burned, of course. Perhaps it was naive naive of me. I thought if I tried a bit harder, maybe I could raise the muzzle of the gun an inch, as they say in Chinese, to let a bit more speech sneak through. Eventually, I learned how limited my influence really was. Uh, When it comes to -to day-to-day censorship, the Cyberspace Administration of China would frequently issue directives to ByteDance's quality content, content quality center. They would then task different teams with applying the specific instructions to both ongoing speech and to past content, which needed to be searched to determine whether it was allowed to stand. Now, okay, this is the last thing, and then we'll keep moving. Look at this. During live streaming shows, every audio clip would be automatically transcribed into text allowing algorithms to compare the notes with a long and constantly updated list of sensitive words, dates, and names, as well as natural language processing models. Algorithms would then analyze whether the content was risky enough to require individual monitoring. Oh. My. I mean. This is next level. I mean, this is extremely difficult to do. Like, extremely difficult to do. Wow. Wow. Um, it is just, you know, it's, it's really just sad to see. And by the way, this is not just happening in China. This is happening now with your U.S. tech monopolies, your Western tech monopolies. This Um, content moderation philosophy has been exported and has now become a competitive differentiator for the tech monopolies. Zuckerberg um, was actually testifying that he thinks that if smaller tech startups can't do uh, content moderation, then they should not receive Section 230 um, protection. He ultimately walked that back and watered down that claim a little bit after there was naturally an appropriate outrage because, but that's ultimately what they're getting at, right? He let, he spilled the beans. Hey, if you can't do content moderation and spend, how much money does this cost? 
They got 20,000 people doing content moderation, hundreds of engineers. I mean, the live streams are automatically transcribed. For us on our show, we've got to take the video, send it to some other group to transcribe it, and then we take it back and edit it. They've automated all of this. It is it's remarkable and scary. I don't know how else to classify it. This is now spread. It's not just in China. This is now a competitive differentiator for the big tech U.S. monopolies. And it is being used as a bludgeon to, to um, divert resources and require that smaller tech competitors to the big tech monopolies spend their money on this kind of stuff rather than improving the product, expanding the network, etc. A very, very sad uh, direction for, uh, for big tech. So to just instill, instill more confidence in our audience today, here is the EU EU, you know, admitting, or I don't know, this is like some insider, this was in the Financial Times, EU struggles to build antitrust case against Amazon, um, basically saying, you know, they're having an issue um, understanding Amazon's uh, matchmaking algorithm. And, um, uh, you know, EU officials are still struggling to understand how Amazon's algorithm works. Despite sending a series of detailed questions to the company about the criteria used to boost a product's visibility, these people added that officials are also unlikely to be able to view the online retailer's code. Duh, they're fumbling the ball. Uh, I mean, that's why I've pretty much come to. I mean, look, I would love, I would love for some form of regulation or legislation to go into place. Uh, I just don't think that we can rely on that and uh, and and really put too much confidence that. That's going to happen. So, last topic: What is Dapper Labs, and what are NFTs? NFTs are non-fungible tokens. I think the easiest way to think about it is what Dapper Labs is doing, and that's why they've been able to raise Dapper Labs. Created this thing called NBA Top Shot. They've raised three hundred five million dollars in funding at a two point six billion dollar valuation. Um, investors include Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant, Ashton Kutcher, Will Smith, and others. These non-fungible tokens can be prescribed to any form of digital content. But what Topshot has done is it's basically like digital baseball cards. So if you go to their site, nbatopshot.com, and just think about like, you know, you get baseball trading cards. Um, now they're just digitized. That's essentially what this is. Um, just a, like you could, you could play, I don't know what, you know, you could get star Wars cards. You could get, you know, any form of these like collector cards or, you know, different games that you play like magic or whatever it is, you know, just think about the NFTs as being a way to make that digital. They've now done this with art. So you can essentially buy like, you know, a, a digital piece of art which yes, anyone could copy and download and, and, and use that piece of art for themselves. But technically you own the digital version of that piece of art or screenshot or whatever it is, right? Um, or video, you, it could be a video also. Yes, people are allegedly buying these things for millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, I would actually look at that stuff with a grain of salt. Not to say 
that, uh, you know, all of it is fraudulent, but there's just a lot of, you know, there's, there's no traceability in any of this. So yeah, I could be like buying this card from a friend of mine and like, we're just like sending the money to each other. I guarantee you that stuff is happening. The transaction fees are not too, too high. That's kept by these platforms. So it's not like you're losing a lot of money. There's a lot of people that have made a lot of money in crypto and are kind of just having fun with different things out there. And, um, you know, just kind of like to explore different things and have fun. And they're just kind of sending it to their friends. Not to say that's the whole business here behind top shots, but that stuff is definitely happening. How much of it is it of the total transaction volume and all that stuff? I don't know. Um, but take the big numbers with a grain of salt. It does seem weird. I think the like trading card, um, the, the kind of analog to digital way to think about nfts as like just digital trading cards probably the best way to just think like what is an nft and why would i ever want to pay for one people pay a lot of money for baseball cards and star wars cards and all this kind of stuff right so that's the way i've thought about it to make sense of it when it gets to art digital art i think that's a whole other kind of uh rationale as to why you would want to spend real money on a, on a, on an nft for art but again how much of that is real and and kind of just sending money to your friend i don't know but um but uh, the trading card thing you know that can I, I can see that i that can make some sense to me does it make sense why someone would pay you know a hundred thousand dollars for like the lebron video no that doesn't make sense to me but again, I don't know how much of those big ticket ones are real. Maybe some of them are. But yeah, like 50 bucks, which I think is what the top shot, you know, the CEO has been interviewed and I've read a few of the interviews, you know, he's saying most of their stuff is like, I don't know, sub $50. So that makes more sense to me. These gargantuan numbers don't make sense to me. But um, yeah, like 20 bucks for uh, an NFT on an NBA card. Uh, okay, sure. Other than that, yeah, I agree. It's kind of way far out there. So um, that's my version of what are NFTs and what is Dapper Labs doing. Thanks very much for joining us today on Winner Take All. I will talk to you soon.